Can you name a book? The Book of Lies. The book that's most changed my life. The books have nothing to say. The most correct of any book on earth. This book is fantastic. This book is going to, you know, scare people. This book is not a bedtime story. This book is out of control. Oh, truck drivers would love this book. You must burn the books, Montag. That's my second favorite book of all time. I'd like to bear my testimony. I know this book is true. You're listening to the Book of Darren. My favorite bookstore, The Midnight Oil, had a private screening of The Nightmare Before Christmas at the Crest Cinema. And while I was there, I met a Ghostbuster. Now that sentence doesn't really make any sense, but believe me, it's true. I'm a lifelong Ghostbusters fan, but a new fan of Chess Bond. If you live in northern Colorado and have seen a fully kitted out Subaru Ecto-1, you're about to hear from the man behind the wheel. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Chess Bond. All right, Chess, when was the first time you heard about the Ghostbusters? Uh, the first time was, I can't remember. I can't remember an exact date. Um, I imagine it was, if you think about, like, you, you, I don't think you retain memories until you're, like, three years old. So I would say it was probably 93, 94, maybe. By then, both movies had been out quite a long time. The real Ghostbusters had already ended. Yeah, I remember, I vaguely remember instances of watching the real Ghostbusters with my dad. It must have been like, you know, in, what do they call it, syndication, where it's just kind of like rebroadcasting. Oh, yeah, I always watched it in syndication, too. It was, uh, there was no, we didn't have a DVR or anything like that, so if you could find it on TV, it was exciting. Yeah. The USA Network had like a cartoon morning show. Hmm. I remember watching while we were getting ready for school and it had the real Ghostbusters on it for a while. And that was my, uh, because I was around for Extreme Ghostbusters and I was really excited about that. When did Extreme Ghostbusters premiere? I want to say that was 97. 97, okay. And it was on, here in Colorado, uh, there's a station called UPN. And it would air in the morning. So it was actually a show I'd watch before school in the morning. And it had like this, it lined up perfectly with like I could watch the episode and then it was about time to leave for the bus. How old were you in 97? Seven. So is that what really got you into Ghostbusters? I I don't, because I have... A fuzzy memory of a Christmas where I got the Kenner ghost trap um, and I've seen like photographs of it and I had a, a daycare provider when I was a kid and her sons had the Kenner proton packs which I always thought was the coolest so it was always there I think extreme Ghostbusters um, was a good like was like pouring like gasoline on the fire a little bit because it was timely, you know, you'd have toys, and it was, I was in the perfect demographic to be really jazzed about um, that show. Yeah, so it's always, basically always been there, and, you know, it kind of would come in waves of, like, interest as all things, but... But you always came back to it? Yeah, I've always come back to it. Was there ever a Proton Pack released for Extreme Ghostbusters? There was. I remember that. Um... I remember, I think it was at Target. It was Target or Toys R Us, one of those. 
Um, and my mom actually put it on layaway, which is a word you don't hear very often anymore, but that was a thing. Um, and I remember the day we went and picked it up from the store. So you had the Extreme Ghostbusters, had the Extreme Proton, Ghostbusters Pack. Proton Pack. I can't even, I can picture what it looked like in the cartoon, but I... It looked very similar. Like it was, that was a great toy. <laughs> um, yeah, we picked it up and uh, my sister had like a birthday party she was going to. And it was like a neighbor that lived like three houses down. And my mom did the whole, well, you know, go to the birthday party first, then you can open it. So like. Oh man, mom. So I, I went to this birthday party, but the whole time I was there, I was like ready to go. So you could go home and play with yeah. the proton. Pack. So the moment I like was released from this party, I sprinted home. And then in the process, I like tripped and like banged up my knee pretty bad and was like, it was devastating. And I was, I was upset, not so much about the pain of my knee, but because my knee was hurt and I couldn't do ghost busting as well as I'd like to with a banged up <laughs> knee with my brand new proton pack. But I went back and still opened it on the couch and we found a place to like mount it on a wall and like it was a whole thing. And that was such a great, such a great toy. Do you still have it? I think it's still at my mom's house um, in various degrees of like, I know the main component is still there cause it had a, you had the main pack, and then it actually had a hose that di- uh, came disconnected, and it was cool because you could, like, it plugged in and, like, had, like, one of those, like, quick-release systems, but it would transmit to the blaster, too. So it's disconnected right now, and I, I don't know what state it's in because another thing came up where I discovered my love of, like, tinkering, so everything I had got tinkered with or... <laughs> repurposed or you know which i regret but because those things are expensive online now and i imagine i had the the kenner one the for the real ghostbusters and i wore that thing down i mean it was it just ended up being dark blue the stickers had completely worn off it had that yellow rubbery hose it wouldn't really stay on anymore, so it was like taped on, and then it started to get cracks in it. It broke, and I, my dad got a different, like a clear hose for it. Mm. And then the gun, at one point, it stopped making that brrrr sound. <laughs> oh, and the foam hose was long gone. It got probably taken away after I used it to beat my sister or something like that. I think the the Extreme Ghostbusters one had a foam hose or something similar to that but i was never into that attachment i was was a little hokey (laughs) but now and now i'm older and i'm like that would be kind of cool to like work with because it'd be cool to have like some kind of stream effect that you could have for like photos or something yeah you could do something like that i wouldn't like carry it around all the time but it like i've seen i think i saw someone did a ghostbusters decoration in their front yard one year it was like on the internet and it was like one of those 12 foot skeletons and they set up like people that look like ghostbusters with lights that led to the skeleton that's the kind of thing i think i'd i'd be into yeah definitely all right so the extreme ghostbusters ends yeah 
what two seasons or something like that something like that it was it was pretty short and then when did you start getting back into ghostbusters again so that died out in eighth grade i think that's when i discovered that there were people on the internet that made costumes and props and i was really into like making like movies and i got back to ghostbusting and for halloween that year i made a um a flight suit and i made a proton pack out of like styrofoam and cardboard and stuff i could find again i was dabbling in that tinkering phase yeah it just had to to be a similar shape to a proton pack well, I was also very detail-oriented, though, so very as close as I could with the skill and materials I had. I wish that was around somewhere, just because I'd like to, like, you know, critique it. You could have iterations of your proton packs. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a fun display piece. Like, this is what I did in eighth grade, and what would I do now if I could go back? Like, do I know better? Um, so eighth grade, and that was a big thing. But you started to get on the forums online. Yeah, I started to discover. And at the time, you know, it was Ghostbusters, Star Wars. I got really into Indiana Jones. So eighth grade, and then it kind of hit a wave again, or like the trough of a wave. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't until probably 2017 where it came back. And it was just game on at that point. Yeah. What was your what was the first thing you did? I assume it's like log on to GB fans and look at props. Yeah, so I was I had been in the military from 2008 to 2013. Um, when I got out in 2013, I went to college in Hawaii, uh, and then I graduated, and then I spent the next year just finding myself, kind of that whole thing, um, which is a nice way of saying I bummed around for a year because I didn't. Didn't know what you wanted to do. Yeah. And I'd seen, throughout that time span, I'd seen Ghostbusters in various, at various, like, conventions and things like that, or, you know, it was kind of in the peripherals that there were people who dressed up as Ghostbusters, and I always thought it was cool. But, you know, in that time I was in the military in college, I never had a stable enough space to do, like, to start building things again. And then... 2017 was the year I worked at the Spirit Halloween store in Hawaii. And that was the year that they also came out with Proton Packs and their Ghostbusters line, which that was like the spark. That was like a spark and a thing of like um, nitroglycerin. It was, that was the like cataclysmic event that brought me right back in what year was that 17 17 okay so it was right right after the you know ghostbusters had come out everyone was excited and then it flopped or i don't know i don't want to be too harsh about it but it, it caused problems in the ghostbusting community and the movie wasn't what i had hoped for well let's get into that okay 2016. I'll I'll give you my point of view. I waited essentially my whole life for Ghostbusters 3 to come out. Yeah. Um, 
I read online rumors about it. Anything that would pop up, Dan Aykroyd said something in an interview. I would I would consume anything about Ghostbusters three. And I imagine there was like every time it came out, there's that speculation about who would be involved in the project. Oh and yeah. Play with like would Adam Sandler be a good Ghostbuster? Or Chris Farley <laughs> or or Seth Rogen? Yeah, yeah, Seth Rogen. Like the whole yeah. Yeah, and so when it finally does come out, my daughter is five. And so I thought, oh my gosh, it's like the exact same time. And I have a girl, this new Ghostbusters, it's all ladies. It's going to get her into this, and we're both going to be like super into Ghostbusters. And it was released in theater, and I was traveling for work on the day that it came out. So I remember going to a theater alone in Butte, Montana, and like I just couldn't wait to see it. And I watched it, and I wanted to, I wanted to believe that it was good. I was watched it, and I was like, okay, not the greatest, but I'm gonna go home and watch it with my daughter, and then I'll see what she thinks of it. So I go home, and this is probably a week later. And I take her immediately the day I get home to go see it in 3D at the best theater where we lived. And she was like, cool. It was a good movie. The ghosts were neat. But she wasn't into it at all. And then when I saw it the second time, I really, I could tell that I wanted to enjoy it and that it just wasn't good. That speaks to me, and especially where you said that you wanted to believe it was good. And the fact that you had a, your daughter was at the perfect age to, you know, get into that. Yeah, sort of like the same age that I got into Ghostbusters. And I criticize the movie, and it's it's hard because, on one hand, I don't want to criticize a Ghostbusters movie because I love the franchise. I love the story. I love the original movies. And I, you know, I really do like that things come out to, like, keep it going. So I was happy that it came out, and it was going to keep the franchise alive, but it wasn't a great movie. It didn't have the same feeling. It didn't evoke... I just had this conversation the other night with someone. It just didn't feel right. It didn't do what the original did. And it's not because of the cast. It's, I mean, it is, but it isn't. So on one hand, I don't want to criticize it because I love Ghostbusters. On the other hand, I don't want to criticize it because when it came out, I remember watching the trailer, and the trailer is one of those, like, you know, you get the, like, I think they played, like, the like the music from the original and, like, you know, kind of like that. There's, like, this level of it's happening, and then there's the Moogly, and then I think there was, like, a teaser or something for a trailer, and then the trailer came out, and I was so disappointed. And I did the whole, well, you know, sometimes trailers don't, don't do a good job of really no the trailer did a great job telling what kind of movie it was going to be <laughs> and then but every like the world responded and i think it, it was like the single most like downvoted youtube video i think at the time of history and in fact i think they took away the downvote feature because of that movie um not a great sign but then it came out that there were all those things happening where you know the the narrative coming out about this movie was Ghostbusters fans are all sexist and they don't like it because of, you know, it's a female cast and 
there'd be these nasty comments about the actresses. And I know that there's a certain degree where those were people who were doing those things, but I also feel like there's this um, conversation about Sony tampering with the comments on the video to make it, to remove any of the, like, you know, middle-of-the-road comments or the, like, you know, the the constructive criticisms to make it look like anyone criticizing the movie just hated that it was women. And it blew up, and then it became, well, I don't want to be criticized the movie because I'm a Ghostbusters fan, but now I feel like if I criticize the movie, someone's going to think that, you know... You're a sexist jerk. I'm a sexist jerk. And that was unfortunate. Because I do, I think, you know, great. They made this movie. They basically re you know, brought it back into the public eye. But I also don't think that you have to be bad at things. <laughs> like, you know, I think if you want to make a movie, you should be respectful. And I, I think, you know, I think Paul Feig came out and said something about not wanting to cater to the fans or something like that. But you still have to have, with a franchise like that, you have to be respectful of the original. And I don't think he was at all. I didn't enjoy the fact that it was more of a reimagining mm-hmm. than a sequel. I think it, it, if it's going to be... Let, okay, let's talk about the fact that it's ladies. You know, there is, a, like you said, a certain group of people that doesn't want to see the Ghostbusters when it's, when it's chicks. Mm-hmm. That guy's sexist, sure. I was, I was stoked. You know, I had a young daughter. I thought, okay, here's a, a female version for her to root for. She can see herself as one of these Ghostbusters a lot easier than she could see herself as Bill Murray. And I love that. I love that they opened up, you know, I see people still wearing the, you know, the 2016 jumpsuits. and I like the jumpsuits and I like the proton packs. They're jazz. They're excited about it. And I love that. I love that. If there's a thing I love about the 2016 movie is that it opened the doors for a new type of fan. And I love that. But I'm, I agree with you. I think it should have been a more of a passing the torch thing. And, I mean, to go back to Extreme Ghostbusters, they had that. Yeah, they had an old Egon I mean, in the show. That show, I, I don't, I'm sad it doesn't get as much love as it should because that show was amazing. You had a diverse cast. You had a Ghostbuster who was a paraplegic. Um, That's right. There was a female Ghostbuster. Um it, it was a diverse cast. Uh, it was a passing the torch thing where Egon was not necessarily even involved in the busting as much. Occasionally he'd put a pack on, but the idea was he was too old for it. So they had a younger crowd of his students at you know Columbia University. And I loved that aspect, and I loved how diverse the cast was. And the paraplegic in the show, he was like an adrenaline junkie, so it wasn't like even like a pandering thing it was like you know he's just as good as everybody else in fact he might have been the most like physically like capable ghostbuster on that cast i totally forgot there was a dude in a wheelchair in extreme ghostbusters yeah and and i mean that's how they wrote it you i'm not surprised you forgot because it wasn't a thing yeah it wasn't like hey focus on this and the the like the stories they had they had a story about um anti-semitism they had a story about you know confronting your fears like really heavy topics that were really like 
well written and well and carefully like confronted and you had a diverse cast so i think if they had gone that route with 2016 i think we'd have be having a very different conversation right now yeah because even you had cameos from the remaining ghostbusters and they weren't former ghostbusters yeah they were just this is my uncle that runs a funeral home which was weird it was just a weird especially when bill murray came in as like the skeptic right you know, I think that would have been a better situation in like a like a parody of the Ghostbusters or like some kind of generic Ghostbusting type movie, but not for something that had the brand on it. Right, sort of like they did in Zombieland. Yeah, perfect. Or like Ivan Reitman made that like that evolution evolution movie. Oh yeah, that would have been a great place for. You know, a Bill Murray skeptic or a Dan Aykroyd cab driver kind of figure. But in a Ghostbusters movie, it's it's a really weird thing they did with that. I did hear the one sexism argument that I've heard where I would like, okay, there is some credibility in that. You know, having seen Answer the Call probably, I don't know, I've probably seen it five, seven times. Mm-hmm. The men in that movie are really dumb. Like over-the-top dumb or over-the-top evil. You have uh, Chris Hemsworth oh, yeah, plays yeah, yeah. a complete moron. He's like a himbo. Yeah, and then you have that dude in the opening scene from uh, Silicon Valley who's an idiot. And then the main bad guy, evil. Well, and you see, it's funny because the guy in the main, like that opening scene in Answer the Call, probably the best part of the movie in my book. Yeah, the, either that part or there's like a, the final battle scene is pretty, pretty good ghost busting action. But yeah, everything in between that, <laughs> I don't really care for. Well, it, I think that that first part in the beginning, it really had the like heart of what Ghostbusters was. Because one of the things I, you know, I've as I've fallen back into the rabbit's hole that is Ghostbusters, I've even learned a bit about like cinematography and things like that. And what I love is it's a comedy movie, but it's filmed like a horror movie, you know, with the like dolly shots that they do and things like that. Like if you took out, if you muted the movie and you took out the like the ghost busting or some of the like visual gags, it would be a horror movie. Um, And they did a good job with that opening scene with Answer the Call. But I never, I don't really think about that. Yeah, there was a lot of sexism towards men in that movie. Well, it's just, why do you have to go over the top on both things? So you're, the women are the heroes, and then the men are idiots yeah. or evil? Yeah. You know, I have to, I guess I have to make my disclaimer that I recognize that a big issue of sexism is that historically women have been disenfranchised and have been treated poorly by our laws and our politics and just culture in general. Are you throwing out that disclaimer so you can say some nasty sexist shit right no, now? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I'm just um, Because that's the argument that comes back is, well, you know, when you're sexist towards men, it's you're punching up essentially. Yeah. And that's that's fine and whatever. And I think what I struggle with is that that movie, they push so hard on that criticizing it was going against women. You know, I consider myself a feminist. I, you know, I believe in women having equal say and equity. And but I don't think that 
me criticizing a fictional film should undermine feminism. Right. I think the first Wonder Woman is great. I think the second one is bad. Does yeah. that make me sexist because no, I don't it, like the second it, one? My statements about a movie have nothing to do with how I feel about women. <laughs> and it shouldn't be that way. I agree. I agree. That's well said. That is well you know, said. When I say, I mean, if I watched a movie about Martin Luther King Jr., if the movie was done poorly and if I said it, I don't think that should say that I'm racist. I'm just, I, it just was a bad movie. Like you can have a bad movie about historical figures. You can have a bad movie about people. And I guess the bigger issue is that with that movie, it showed that people have a really hard time separating film and the art and their social lives. And yeah, and I just think it's a it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. So instead of saying, all right, yeah, the movie wasn't that great, you could just say anyone who criticizes this is sexist. And that's the other thing that shocks me is it did another thing where it's okay if movies are bad. It's okay. There are many movies that I've enjoyed watching and still think are terrible movies. Batman Forever. I saw that in theaters as a kid. It was... Well, maybe not Batman Forever. That one's, I think that's underrated. And that's a whole other topic that we could get into. (laughs) Um, But like Batman and Robin, that one is subjectively, objectively a bad movie. There are fun parts in that movie. But it's a fun movie to watch. I enjoyed watching it. It It was campy. It was so campy. But, you know, when I was a kid watching it in theaters, I was excited to be watching Batman on screen. Absolutely. You know, Men in Black. Um, they made that uh, Men in Black reboot with Chris Hemsworth. and um, Was it a reboot or was it number three? Or, or it wasn't a reboot, but it was it existed in the same universe. It was yeah. just had nothing to really do with the... Actually, it did have something to do with it, if I remember correctly. They mentioned the K and J and their battle. And it was enjoyable to watch. You know, I didn't walk out of the theater but i wouldn't say it was the best it didn't have the same spirit but there are movies that are terrible that are great to watch that are just fun to like turn your brain off for a little bit i wish 2016 was one of those movies (laughs) you know and there are parts of it i can watch that are fun but a lot of it like i'd rather just skip over entirely because it it's not even like one of those this is hokey and dumb but fun it's just like it kind of slogs in the middle actually like it does it rapid fire and that's the thing like from a comedy perspective it fails and they have some hilarious gals in there they do but it's like one of the things that as when i was i was having this conversation the other day and i said one of the things about ghostbusters is the joke is that they're ghostbusters that's the like the comedy is the situation and they make jokes throughout but it's like you know it's the jokes of tobin's spirit guide and nobody could stack books like this you know how how smart are we how awkward are we like but then you had another layer of the movie where everyone else wasn't trying to be funny you know walter peck wasn't a comedic character i mean he was funny in that how like against the Ghostbusters he was, that situation was funny, but, you know, he didn't tell jokes in his lines. He didn't, he wasn't over the top. No. You know, everybody else in the movie was like a straight man. 
the guy, the manager of the hotel, like he was playing a manager of a hotel who was trying to be serious and trying to run a business and had to watch as the Ghostbusters destroyed his ballroom. All these people played straight characters in this world to, to contrast the comedy and make the comedy stand out. Everybody in Answer the Call was trying to be funny. The mayor was trying to be funny. The the villain was trying to be funny. The Ernie Hudson was trying to be funny. You know, Dan Aykroyd was being funny. Like, everybody in that movie was trying to be in the comedy spotlight. Trying to be funny. That's well said. And it oversaturated the comedy in the movie. You know, in Ghostbusters, the ghosts are scary. The library ghost is terrifying. The terror dogs on their own are scary. The zombie cab driver is scary. Slimer, not as much, but still also like more of a grotesque kind of scary. But there's some like the Gozer was evil. Like Gozer wasn't cracking jokes. But then you had these ghosts in there that were like cartoony and like silly ghosts. I honestly can't even remember the ghosts from that movie. It's, that's a good thing. I mean, I oh. vaguely remember the final scene because they had all those different weapons, like pistols. And... Yeah. Well, at one point they had the Moogly, the ghost in the Ghostbusters logo, up here, which was just I struggled with. But you needed like the great thing, the brilliant thing about Ghostbusters was it had that darkness and the comedy, like, and they they married really well together, and it just didn't come through and answer the call. And you can't have a comedy movie where every single scene is a joke. And they repeated jokes. They did this whole wonton egg drop soup gag. And I think they revisited it like four or five times in the movie. And it was just like beating a dead horse. Yeah, and it's not even funny. It wasn't. And uh, in some ways it was almost racist. Like the whole <laughs> Chinese food piece. I don't know. It was, it, it just... Has there been anyone, I know it happens in the Star Wars community a lot, has anyone tried to re-edit that movie? I think I've seen maybe one. I, I, I wouldn't know. Does it cut it down to 18 minutes or something? I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. But, you know, ultimately the hard part is, like, in the Star Wars community, well, that's also another one that's kind of a mess sometimes. But, you know, there was a time where everybody could agree that Phantom Menace was a bad movie. And they were okay with it. You know, it was kind of a joke. It was a, it was a fun thing to talk about. I know there were people that took it too far, but, you know, or Batman. You know, we can all happily agree that Batman and Robin wasn't a great movie, and it doesn't go there. It doesn't. No one's uncomfortable sharing it. No one's uncomfortable talking about it. When someone brings up Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, answer the call. I get nervous. Like, <laughs> I start to sweat a little bit. I'm like, oh, one of two, one or two things, or one and or two things are going to happen. I'm going to find someone who's a huge fan of the movie, and I'll be uncomfortable because they'll really enjoy the movie, and I won't. Or I'm going to find someone, or and or I'm going to find somebody who is a sexist pig, and they're going to bring their sexist pig ideals into the conversation. And that is terrible as well. Like, it brought out the worst on both ends of the spectrum. Oh, people. I've gone down a couple different uh, rabbit holes of reading Answer the Call comments yeah, on yeah, GB or, fans. It's, it's a weird, like, masochistic form of entertainment to read those comments. Because they're terrible. They're terrible. And 
it seems like they're all arguing the same point, but saying it in a different way. Mm -hmm. No one will just come out and say, it sucks. We all agree that to that. I think there are people who, I don't think anyone really likes it. That's my hot take on it. I think everybody is wanting to like it and wanting to say they like it and wanting to support Ghostbusters. Right. Do I want that movie to have never existed? No. No, I won't say that. I wouldn't say that. But, I mean, when they did Afterlife, there's no homage to the 2016 movie, is there? Yeah, I don't think so, and that's okay. It's just a better movie. It's... It did what it what 2016 should have done. It did because it continued the story instead of starting it over. Well, it continued the story, and it continued it in a way that it can grow into other things. It better. Because now I can't wait for Ghostbusters 4. Well, I mean, one of the things that was holding up, you know, a third movie for years was the, the actors, you know, getting in a lot of ways, Bill Murray involved was hard. Um, and having it tied to those, the original Ghostbusters has been holding it back a little bit. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but, you know, having that original cast was a struggle that they had. But now that they breached the whole Egon's dead and they've introduced a new potential cast... They've taken and having, you know, Ernie Hudson as the proprietor of the Ghostbusters now. I think they've made it, they've opened up the universe to be other things. And I don't think we'll be, I mean, you know, Dan Aykroyd's come out and said he hopes his character dies in the next one. You know, and I think they've effectively passed the torch. And now we can make a Ghostbusters movie if Bill Murray's not available or is being difficult or if any number of things happen there are directions we can go you know and as far as answer the call being not liked by fans ghostbusters 2 is not reviewed well by critics but fans love it well you know what i'll go as far as to say there are a lot of holes in ghostbusters 2 but i don't watch ghostbusters 2 to like knock it it's fun you know slime blowers are fun the i love the courtroom scene like absolutely you know, I like the dynamics with Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver having a kid and not them having a kid together, but Bill Murray interacting with a child or Janos and his quirkiness is fun. Um, but yeah, I won't knock it. It's a fun movie. It has a great soundtrack. Are there fans that are real critical of that movie? I've seen it. I've seen it. But I, again, I, I think it's a safe thing to talk about like i think i've never seen people get like angry when someone says ghostbusters 2 is a bad movie i've never seen someone angry when someone says i like ghostbusters 2 like there's just this like agree to disagree and people can talk about it and have a conversation about the merits of the movie or the lack of there's not a negative charge associated with talking about it exactly it is well and i think it's hard to have a negative charge talking about it because of the uh, the topic of the movie. Actually, Ghostbusters 2 is what I love. Um, that conversation about negative um, psychokinetic energy. And that's actually kind of how I've t- tried to tie it to um, 
bringing Ghostbusters into my everyday life. Like, that's my go-to is combating negative PKE. Mood slime. Yep. (laughs) Got to make the mood slime good. But you'll agree that Ghostbusters 2, not as good as Ghostbusters 1. No. 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 That's that's not a statement I would make. Is there anyone that holds that opinion that 2 is better than 1? Not that I've seen. I'm sure there is. I'm sure. But... Even then, I would say that they're wrong. It's just yeah, that they yeah, like yeah. two more. Yes, yes. For whatever reason. Yes. Yeah, that whole answer the call thing, it it bummed me out that that's where the movie ended up. Instead mm-hmm. of like, oh, there's a new Ghostbusters community coming up, and there's a new group of people that's going to be excited about it. The movie came and went, and all it left us with was, okay, let's not talk about that. Yeah, and it... And it went beyond the movie. It went beyond the fans. It went to, and it seeped into society. It, it did. It really. I remember like Leslie Jones making a statement about it, and the, the fans treated her, and and it made Ghostbuster fan looks fans look bad. Yeah, that's true. You know, and again, I blame both sides. I blame people who make nasty comments and are d bags towards women. They have the first order of blame, but also the people who keep feeding that fire, I think also bear some responsibility that like, just get over it. It's the, how the movie is shouldn't dictate how people act in the real world. No. And if you want to get fired up about it, your time to be fired up has long passed. Exactly. You can be fired up in between the time the movie comes out and when it comes out on DVD after that. All right. That's over with now. And you make a good point because we're having this conversation right now. And I don't feel fired up. You know, I feel if you had me strapped to like an EKG and brain wave monitor, you wouldn't see any spikes or like anger. It's, it is what it is. You know, I don't, that movie doesn't ruin my life. No, I don't have a super strong opinion about it either way. I'm just, I didn't really like it. It wasn't my thing. Like, yeah, it was a movie. It came out. It was cool that it was a Ghostbusters thing, and there's some neat stuff that came out of it. But also, like, I'm not going to lie and say it was the greatest thing since sliced bread because it really wasn't. (laughs) If it would have been an absolute banger, like, holy hell, this movie was so good. I can't believe it. It's way better than the original Ghostbusters. I would have loved that. <laughs> I would have loved that. But where would we be now? Well, I don't think Afterlife would have happened. I agree. I think the the fan community would be a lot different, and I think a lot more productive, because I think that was a big thing that maybe it kind of ruined. I... I know there are people on both, again, who on both ends who moved away from Ghostbusters because of how toxic it got. That's, that's crazy. But I can absolutely see that happening. So I think we would have had a much more, you know, much different fourth movie, I guess, in a way. We'd probably have more like TV shows and stuff like that. But yeah, it would, I think it would have made a difference. It would have answered the, if answer the call was amazing, afterlife wouldn't have been okay. Let's go back to where we started. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think afterlife or whatever movie would have 
occurred, I don't think it would have been as good as Afterlife. Yeah, because Afterlife really was like, hey, this is what the fans want. We're going to give them all everything they want. And it was necessary. And I mean, for a movie to wade through the bad blood of 2016 and still like have such a like enduring effect on people, that's pretty big. Like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and there isn't any criticism. You know, there were too many chicks in it. It was a successful movie despite the baggage of the movie that came before it. Yes, I like that. Successful in spite of that. Well, and that's... I mean, there's a difference right there. Jason Reitman understood the effect it had on people, and he was able to take that. And, you know, I've heard seen people criticize the amount of fan service it had, but I think that was a necessary thing. Like, of course the movie was going to touch heavily. Like, it has a very, very strongly parallels the first movie. And I think that's okay, and I think it was in some ways necessary to ground the energy from 2016. And I don't think too much fan service is a bad thing. No. As someone who is a fan yeah, and wanted some like, of that. Yeah, give me more. Like, I will pause the film and watch and try to identify every little nod to Ghostbusters 2 or whatever, or Ghostbusters 1. Oh, I've watched like seven YouTube videos of all the things that you might have missed in Ghostbusters Afterlife. I cheered for the crunch bar and the flight suit. I cheered for the Twinkie in the glove box. I actually went and put a Twinkie in my glove box just because of that scene. (laughs) I will never eat that Twinkie. It'll just be there. Right. Do you have a crunch bar in there also? No. Chocolate in a car is generally not. That's a good point. Yeah. That was a dumb idea. I've thought about it, but. You'll have to just open a crunch bar carefully. Or maybe just eat the crunch bar put the wrapper. Just the wrapper would be fine, I think. Yeah, just put a piece of cardboard in there and tape it back up. Yeah. See, now I've now I redeemed myself for the chocolate bar and the glove box. It's also idea. hard to find crunch bars. You ever notice that? You know, I haven't bought a candy bar in a very long time. They sell them at the nerd store, though. For that specific reason? No, just because I think oh. they, they have candy and they happen to have crunch bars. But I don't think you can get a crunch bar at a gas station. I do love that on... Um, GB fans, they have like a crunch bar emoji that everyone uses. That's amazing. Well, you've earned it. (laughs) All right. So let's get back to 2017. You decide to go all in. Yeah. In Ghostbusters. So I do. So I, you know, I was working the floor at the Halloween store when I saw the Proton Pack for the first time. Um, I felt bad about buying it while I was clocked in. So I actually went clocked out for my lunch break and then bought the Proton Pack. With a big dumb smile on your face? Oh, the cheesiest. The cheesiest. And I was living with a woman at the time, and I came home with this, and she I think she rolled her eyes. But So I bought that, and now that I had the Proton Pack, I was like, I need a flight suit. So I put a lot of work into buying, like, a good flight suit. Uh, Where'd you get it from? Uh, I think the flight suit came off of Amazon. Can I ask you how much you paid for your flight suit? Like s- somewhere between 45 and 65 bucks. Like well, pretty reasonable, actually, I would say. Is that what you should expect to pay for a flight suit today? Yeah. Okay. I'd say that's, that's pretty standard. I've done a couple more since then. And I, I went all out. I got patches, the belt, the 
you know, I, again, I, when I was in, starting in high school and it's always been like this, I've, I mean, growing up, my dad was a big Halloween person and liked, you know, costumes from movies and he does sewing and stuff like that. We'd try to make our own Halloween costumes. So there was a level of, I already had that idea of that, like, attention to the detail, and I wanted to make it as close to the original as possible. So even when I had the spirit pack, I did some alterations to make it look more more closely representative of the original proton pack. Until, so I, I got the spirit pack, and I started, you know, did Halloween, and then I, you know, connected with some of the ghost-busting community in Hawaii. And we started cosplaying. You know, I joined them in their, like, charity events and things like that. We did a um, holiday parade through Waikiki, and they had some ectos. and Multiple? Yeah, I think we had one guy who had, it looked very close to the original, but he didn't have, like, the rack, but it had, like, the fins, and it was, I think it was a Miller Meteor. Um, that's pretty awesome that was cool we had another guy he had like i can't remember what model it was but it was somewhere between like an el camino and like some pickup truck but he you know he put like a turret on the top painted it the it it was clearly an ecto but it you know just different car type so as i was working with that community someone reached out and said hey we have a proton pack you know i have a buddy who's getting rid of his proton pack so I went and looked at it, and it was in really bad shape, but he wanted, like, I think it was 200 bucks, And, um, you know, I, I bought it and started upgrading it, and that's the one you just looked at in the lobby. And, you know, it's beat up, but it's, you know, it's, I like it. 200 bucks is a screaming deal, even if you had to fix a bunch of stuff. As someone who's been trying to build a proton pack for probably ten years now, maybe longer, um, it's very expensive. It's it's pricey. Yeah, and it was it was, and, and and part of me I like the, I almost prefer that I had to repair it. You know, there's I definitely get that. There's some uh, more affection uh, that comes when you have to like do repairs and things like that because it's it becomes more yours. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, I, I know you can go online and pay like over $1,000 and have someone assemble you a proton pack and get it completed in the mail. And that's fine, but, you know, there's there really is something to knowing how everything fits together. And, you know, if I bought one for $1,200, I wouldn't, there's a part of me that maybe wouldn't want to wear it, well, no, I take it back. I would wear it because I think no matter what broke, I'd find a way to fix it. But there wouldn't be that same pride in... There wouldn't be that level of carelessness wearing it around. You know, I'll throw it in the back of my car. And again, I, I expect things to get broken. And it's a lot easier for me to expect that thing to get broken because it's already been broken and I've already had to repair it. And I'm not worried about making it look a little uglier because, you know, there's some more like epoxy on it or whatever. Um, but I could see someone really struggling with like one of the higher end ones getting broken. There's also that um, Mattel one or Hasbro one that just 
So yeah, my the afterlife one. My dad and I have actually backed. We each have backed one. So hopefully, sometime in the spring, I'll get a big box dropped off at my house, or we'll have two big boxes dropped off at our house, and we'll start wearing those runs around. Did I make a mistake by not buying one of those? I. It's hard. That's a hard question to answer because I haven't seen it yet. That's true. From what I've seen of it. I had to jump on it between just the pictures that they put out. Um, Adam Savage did a video looking at it, and that video was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be cool. Yeah, he was pretty impressed by it. And just that alone and, like, the, you know, knowing that the guy who worked on the movie was heavily involved in, like, helping them do their designs, it's pretty cool. So, yes, I did make a mistake by not buying one. I don't want to say that to make you feel bad but you might have. It was 500 bucks. Yeah. And you had to invest in a separate wand. That's true. I forgot about that. So it's it, it's, it's pricey. Um, I'm excited for it, though, because the functionality and stuff like that. Uh, the one thing I struggle with with the Spangler wand is that I don't care for the upgraded grips like the tape and the you know i like the you know just my personal feeling i like the grips the way they were in the original movie i agree so i actually did went go out and buy i could have done it myself but someone was selling like a modified spangler wand to look more close look closer to the original because that's what i'll have when i have my spangler pack but i like the wood but I don't like the tape. Yeah, I just, I like the whole, I don't know. I have a Spangler wand at home right now. I haven't used it at all. It is there specifically for when the Spangler pack arrives, and that will be the one that I use. If I were to buy a Proton pack off the shelf, who makes the best one? I, I can't, I don't even know how to answer that question because I've looked on GB fans, and I know a lot of people say Ben of Kent, is like that's the one I see most often. Um, you know, I've heard Carnivorous Creations makes a good one. There's a new company now that does like proton pack parts. I honestly couldn't tell you. There was supposed to be like a Ghostbusters authorized yeah pack building. Yeah. What company is that? I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Honestly. And even that, like, I remember going on their website and they didn't have everything up yet. Yeah. But it was like this plan where, oh, you just keep buying these things. It'd be like from a us. subscription kind of, or like a an outfitters kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, by the time you're done, you can do this. And I'm like trying to add that up in my head. I'm like, oh, I think I could do that a lot cheaper any other way. I don't know. I think I've looked at, because I've, I've thought about building one from scratch. Um, I've even actually gone and printed off, you know, I've used my 3D printer to make different components because i was going to eventually have a whole thing um and i think that would be the way to go to like know somebody or to be involved in it somehow because I, I just have a hard time like thinking of having someone ship all that it would be so expensive yeah and it seems like you know building a proton pack you're getting parts from 27 different people yeah and it's, it's, it's a, a lot of, uh, that's not available. You're going to have to wait like seven months for that part. It's, it's, it's a long, it's a long process. 
because there are so many small components and so many like and, and just getting the i think getting the shell is the hard because the shell alone is the expensive part yeah and there's not a lot of people making that and there's not a lot of alternative ways of getting a hold of those that piece yeah i don't know i think because then you have to that's a hard question because you have to think about what you want because like on that one it's a um like injection molding or injection molded piece with fairly flimsy plastic similar to what you'd find on like one of those cheap halloween masks or something like that it's been fine it doesn't look terrible it looks great but there's one if a criticism i have about that is i wish the shell alone had some more substance to it but i also recognize with that it would be more brittle so it's kind of a that'll be something i'm interested to see with the hasbro one because they might have a good mix of structurally sound yet meaty um, plastic to work with they have some experience making toys yeah so it's a whole thing Uh, someday i might actually try and fiberglass the inside of it just to give it a little bit more heft but it's also pretty light so i kind of like that i can wear that all day and not hurt the next day how much does your pack weigh i haven't weighed it or i did weigh it once and then forgot how much it weighed it's oh gosh i want to say maybe 20 pounds what would you change about it? I would change the motherboard just because it's old and has some struggles. Um, one of the things that, so the way that one is, there are four Allen bolts I have to unscrew to lift the shell off the motherboard. And when I got it, the battery was mounted on the inside of the pack. And then there was like a hole leading out to charge the lithium battery but anytime i had to get to the battery i'd have to take the shell off and it's not a it's not a big deal it's kind of like a first world problem type thing but it's you know i actually moved the battery to like a pouch that rests on the outside of the motherboard just so it's easier to get a hold of if i need to like charge it or because there's like a switch on the battery too and that hole reaching through it was just gross which was a little bit louder. I'd like to have like the constant hum going, but I, I suppose that's something I could change one day, but I haven't just taken the time. I've seen people shove some pretty large speakers in there. Yeah, there's a decent sized speaker in there. It's just the way it's mounted, it's you lose a lot of sound because it goes towards my back. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually, I have another fog machine. And I've been thinking about putting a smoke effect inside it, but it's planning out a way where it's easy to easy to maneuver. You know, I'd, ideally I'd put the fog machine in for an event and then take it out for storage and things like that. So that's been something I've been considering. And I love the Spangler wand because you get the, like, pop mechanism on the barrel. Right. And I'd love to have some kind of functionality where I could actually marry that pack to a Spangler wand and still be able to control the pack from the wand. But that's a lot of delicate wiring and stuff that I'm not willing to. I try. You'd want to see somebody else take their Spangler wand apart so you could see what's inside it first. And I know someone's done it, but it's just something that's. How much is the Spangler wand? Like a hundred bucks. 
well, that's not too bad. It's not terrible, and it's it's a, it, you feel good about it. Like it's one of those I pull out. I'm like, I might have even paid a little bit more for what it is because it vibrates. It like, and you can adjust the vibration level and it. And the scale is spot on. The scale's spot on. It uh, you can change it to you know have the modes that were in the Ghostbusters video game. Like you can do all of it. That's pretty cool. Maybe I'm gonna have to get one of those. Yeah, it's it'd be it's it's worthwhile. It's if I'm starting my pack build tomorrow, which talking to you, I want to now. Yeah. Uh, where should I start? I would definitely. Well, if you're gonna go to the Spangler wand, which it's easy, not terribly expensive, and it's just cool. I get the wand. The pack build. I'd start with a shell, just because that's like the main bulk of it because once you get a shell it's just a matter of putting pieces on top of it and painting it you need a shell and a motherboard because the mother a lot of the stuff mounts to the motherboard and the shell just fits over it but people usually just use a sheet of aluminum for the motherboard yeah you do mine's wood um and there are some places on etsy that sell like prefabricated aluminum motherboards for like 50 60 bucks maybe I could get aluminum sheet pretty cheap. So, or free from work. That'd be the way to go. I use in it like good aluminum like meaty. Yeah. That's the way to go. I've thought about I've wanted to do a uh, aluminum motherboard for some of the spirit packs, but it's cutting it that's going to be the you cut it with a jigsaw. Yeah. Yeah. But you need to have like your that's where you need your shell so you could like yes, outline it and make sure it fits well. Yeah, that's, I would cut it with a jigsaw. I have a bandsaw, but it's kind of a big bulky piece to do with the bandsaw. Yeah, it is. Jigsaw would be perfect. That's where I'd start. Is there a shell you'd recommend? or? I don't know. I. It's one of those I'd have to, like, I'd like to touch them and feel them to know, like, how brittle or how, like, flimsy they are. I honestly couldn't tell you. Who do you think has the coolest homemade proton pack? Oh gosh, I I knew a guy in Hawaii who had a really cool one. Um, he actually sent it to some someone in Georgia, I think, and they did like the smoke effect, and that's the coolest one I've seen in person. I've seen some online. I saw someone who did a video game pack, and it has like all the functionality of the, you know, like I think someone even has like a spring loaded uh, bellows. That one's pretty neat. Yeah, who did it? I did. I just watched a video of someone who did the video game pack, and maybe it didn't have the bellows, but you could change the light colors, and that was a cool one. I really, I've looked at parts and builds probably hundreds of times, and I've never, I've never started because it's just like it gets expensive pretty quick. Yeah, and I would, I would like me, I. 3D printing is the way to go with some of that. Like, I won't buy a real clippered valve. I 3D printed mine. The one on my pack's 3D printed right now. The, you know, as much as, because there are a lot of files on Thingiverse that are free for Ghostbuster stuff. And I would go that route with the smaller stuff. It's just really hard to 3D print a shell with. Because you have to, like, segment it into different parts. Right. Yeah, plus I'm not sure if 3D printed shell would be the way to go. Unless you've made it thick enough. 
there i think it would be because the so i've I tried printing a shell or like the components of i've printed parts of the main shell of a pack and the thickness is right the mistake was it was one of the it was pretty early in me having a printer and i printed it in pla plastic and i would go back and do it in abs just because pla like if you leave it in your car once it'll it'll get wavy it'll warp so bad i'm pretty sure pla is like what vcr tapes are made out of and those things melted all the time but abs like is really strong and you can abs is what a lego is made out of what uh what other props do you think are necessary for a ghostbuster to have I think a a pack, um, a good PKE meter is just really I just think the pack mostly. You have to have the pack. A PKE meter is nice. Probably the flight suit. What would you say the average pack build costs? Oh gosh, I'd say uh, go eight hundred dollars. Uh, well, I don't know if that's an average. That's a low average. I think you can do it for 800 That's spendy. Yeah. It shouldn't be that expensive. I think once the Hasbro pack comes out, I'm wondering if we'll see cheaper, not a cheaper pack, but a cheaper, like cheaper components. It'll be interesting. Do you know how many packs they sold? Over 5,000, I think. I can tell you. Over 5,000. So I can, that's, I, that puts a lot of Proton packs on the market. Because some of those, like... Maddie collector traps and wands. Like they didn't make a bunch of them. So if you missed out on that, now you're paying like four times as much as it was brand new. I'm pulling up the Hasbro app right now. That you got for your Proton Pack order? Does yeah. it give you like a timeline? Oh, it does. Oh, okay. I was wrong. They, so they did tiers with their backing. Did you go top tier? I did. Well, so no, um, it's not how much you pay. It's how many people buy it. Okay. So the tiers were totally based on if they met certain levels of sales. So the last tier was 7,000 packs. Did they hit that? Uh, This project was 301% backed. That's a lot of proton packs. It got 21,086 backers. And you have to pay in advance? Yeah. So mine's fully paid. Oh, here it is. So originally they wanted 7,000 backers. So to actually make it happen, it needed 7,000. Its final um, goal was at, like, the unlockable piece was at 15,000. And they sold 20,000. 21,086. That's so many Proton packs. Yeah. And the stuff that it comes with, because like the first one was, uh, the first unlockable was at 9,000 and it gave you, so it was like 9,000 was the first unlockable, the second unlockable was at 11,000, 13,000 and then 15,000 and like your first the first thing you unlocked was it gave you stickers and decals from the original movie all right and the hose to connect to the wand 
Um, and the decals from the 1984 movie are like the brushed decals. So pretty snazzy. The second unlock was a uh, marshmallow slime. All right. That was like, it's like molded marshmallow slime you could put on the pack to make it look like it got. Okay. And I know it, what you're talking about. I believe I've seen that. It also comes with like four exclusive mini puffs, like the life-size ones, and they're burnt. <laughs> Um, the next one comes with some stickers, like a sticker book and Egon's or Egon's like uh, manual or Egon's notebook. With okay, like I would like to see that blueprints and stuff like that. And then the last one was a stand that you can put your pack on, which is actually pretty nice to have. It was pretty nice. So yeah, it's, I think there's a slime bundle too. I think there's one that how stoked are you for this thing to show up? I am very stoked. I'm, I, I'm so stoked I try not to think about it. Because you ordered it like over a year ago, right? Yeah, it got done, I think it was fully funded in January. I should have got one. I've heard a lot of people saying that. <laughs> Especially once they ship, then everyone's going to be really upset if they didn't get one. Like being one of the first ones to back it, I get green slime that I can... Like, they're like the rubbery clings that you can put on your pack, too. I remember seeing that. I wouldn't rock that, but I guess it's cool. I will. I did a photo shoot, actually, in here once for a calendar that was never made. And for the photo shoot, I, like, put, like, made it look like I was cleaning off marshmallow fluff, and I used shaving cream for it. And it took so long to get that off the pack. So having stuff that can make it look like it was slimed or gooey without getting dirty, I think is nice. Yeah, that is pretty cool. What happened with the calendar? It was never made. It was all Ghostbusters? It was a Ghostbusters male pinup calendar. All right. And a friend of mine, did. she's a photographer, and we did the shoot, and... So you did like sexy Ghostbusters poses? Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I want to see this calendar so bad. They it, made at least one, right? No, they never made a single calendar out of it. We sent, I submitted the photos. I know other people did as well. And that was, it never came. What the heck? You got to get a hold of this gal and be like, hey, well, give so, me those pictures and I'll so make a calendar. My friend made her own calendar and she only made maybe two or three copies and I have a copy of it, but it's like... Sexy Ghostbusters. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, don't, I think the mistake they made was they tried to make it like you had to have a theme to it. And it was like guys cleaning, which I think it limited the photos too much. That's a, that's a really funny project. <laughs> right, it is have... interesting with Ghostbusters. It's the, the fan-made projects. There are a bunch of like short films on YouTube. Oh yeah, that people have made um, from absolutely terrible to pretty impressive. Some of those, you know, what you can do with VFX on, you know, just your average laptop today is it's amazing. It, it's truly amazing. Or even your phone. I mean, the technology that you have now, they would have loved to have had some of that in 1984 when oh, dudes were like drawing things on each individual frame of film. Yep. All right. So I think we left off. You're palling around with people in Hawaii. They've got their own Ectos. You just got your own Proton Pack or your second one. 
upgraded from the Spirit one. Yep. What did you guys... You said you did charity events and parades and stuff like that in Hawaii? Yeah. So, and I, I quantify that, and I, I think it's always the best intentions kind of system with those things. But one of the ones that stood out for us was uh, we did... Um, There's a group that worked with children who have autism, and they coordinated with a... There's like a laser tag and arcade place over there. And they set up a time where they turned a lot of the like flashy light stuff and turned the noise down so that they weren't like, you know, they weren't overstimulated so that these kids could go and enjoy that area. And they had other people who would dress up in costumes as well. But we went through and like played with the kids and like took pictures of them and the whole thing. Because I do see a lot of the Ghostbuster groups doing that, like visiting the children's hospital or showing up at a certain event. And it's, you know, especially kids or weird grownups like me are are excited to see Ghostbusters. Yeah. And that's kind of the, and that's kind of what I want to bring, wanted to bring back um, to Greeley because, you know, as I've looked at the Ghostbuster community, there are a lot of people that do great charity work um, with it. And that's one thing I'd like to be more active with. So when I brought back to Colorado, we've worked with, you know, we're at Ghost or at Monster Day every year. And Monster Day is an event in Greeley that proceeds from that event go to the Don't Be a Monster program that combats bullying in schools. So we work with them. I'm pushing us now to move towards helping with the women's place. So I have some things in the works right now to try and help the women's place of Weld County out. And so that'll be a good thing. I kind of look at the charity piece as, you know, going back to Ghostbusters too. You know, if I, I would call it Project Mood Slime is kind of how I think about our charity work. And it's anything that'll increase the positive psychokinetic energy and decrease the negatives. I like it. Do you think that there is a code of conduct that one has to abide by when they're dressed as a Ghostbuster? Uh, Yeah, it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about, actually, because, you know, you are, to a certain extent, a, um, a role model for the kids. You know, they're anytime, anytime kids are looking at you, you are teaching them something. You know, they're picking up habits. So, you know, I think, like, while there was smoking in the Ghostbusters movies, if you're smoking a cigarette while at an event while kids are watching, that's probably not the best thing. It's kind of a weak example, but that's the example I have. Um, but also, like, I don't know. It, you don't want to be seen in a flight suit throwing a glass bottle at a car and then yeah, smacking your wife. Yeah, you shouldn't be, like, committing crimes while wearing a flight suit or, like, you know, being creepy or or rude like and that's a that's a big one for me is you know I actually it was my dad had a good suggestion for me the other day that I think I'm going to start incorporating is he suggested when we take pictures we should make sure our hands are visible the whole time and I guess that's a rule that Disney has for its cast members where if you're taking a photo with someone instead of putting like your hand behind their back you do something in front of you so that it's very clear that both of your hands are 
yeah, it's an unfortunate reality in this time. It is, and it's you know it's a good way to protect myself and protect anyone who's taking pictures. But it's also like, you know, I think you need to be, aside from just being a good like role model and like behaving properly. One thing I see at a lot of events where people are dressing up is they, you know, they'll kind of huddle up amongst themselves. Like I've done Ghostbusters events where you have like you know, five or six Ghostbusters who are all huddled together talking about, you know, making jokes from the movies and things like that, but they're not actively engaging with the crowd. You almost have to put on this, like, persona that's open and exciting. You are playing a character to an extent. Yeah. With, with, with Ghostbusters, it is a little bit different because your flight suit doesn't say Zedmore on it. Exactly. It has your name on it. Exactly. But, I, you know, I like to think of it you know, and I use the rule, like, what if I was that kid? There are kids who are nervous to see the Ghostbusters. They definitely want to. They want to take that picture, but they're really scared. You have to be that person that kind of makes it okay. That makes yeah. them feel comfortable coming to you and, you know, smiles and is outgoing. And that's and that's one of the reasons I like doing it is because it makes me have to be more personable. That's part of the reason I drive a Ghostbuster car everywhere. Is it forces me to leave my shell and be positive. Yeah, I asked that because I listened to this other Ghostbusters podcast, and they were discussing that. And it was something I had never considered before because I've never, unfortunately, I've never dressed up as a Ghostbuster and gone to an event or anything. But w the way they were talking about it so seriously... I found really interesting and also they made the point like you know when you're dressed up you're not just representing yourself you're representing the people yeah. who also do this and then you're also representing you know the movie and the franchise that doesn't even belong to you well just like we were talking about those weirdos that went out with answer the call and would make sexist comments and things like that it, it painted the movie ghostbusters in a bad light it painted the people who enjoy the movie ghostbusters in a bad light it like you know, it attached bad energy to the movie and to the fandom. Yeah. And, you know, how you interact with the public changes that. You know, you're, you can make that situation better or you can make it worse depending on what you're doing. And there are a lot of people. It, it's mostly common sense stuff, really. I don't yeah. think it's too hard to be, you know, appropriate while you're in costume. But there are, you know there are some people that seems really hard for like not a lot, but you know, I like my belief is I'm not going to like have like sailor mouth when I'm around a bunch of kids dressed as a ghostbuster. I don't, you know, I personally don't hold any, um, don't have any problems with bad language, but it's just not the right place. There's just, you know, there's a level of professionalism involved. I guess if you were to talk about, like, the professional conduct while you're dressed as a Ghostbuster, I think about, you know, Ghostbusters 2. Suck it in, guys. You're the Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know, that's not just physically. Like, you know, don't be, don't be a horrible human being while you're interacting with the public. Yeah, I guess just as fans, you are protective of the brand. If I... Um if I'm wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jacket and I go out and punch someone on the street randomly, it's of course it was an Eagles fan did it. 
That and that's gonna be that's what it is. And I think someone has done something. Is several years ago, but I think someone committed a crime while wearing a Ghostbusters flight suit. That's a bad look. It is, and it's yeah, yeah. I mean, I want people to think positive things. And if someone comes from an interaction with someone dressed as a Ghostbuster, feeling negative, that's going against my, you know, Project Mood Slime ideal. And you, you don't always dress up as a Ghostbuster. Right now, you aren't dressed up as one. But when you drive around, you yeah. are always a Ghostbuster. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's I have to be very careful how I interact with drivers on the road because that's. Well, can you tell everyone what you, what you're driving? So I drive a 2004 Subaru Outback, but it is completely done up as an Ecto. It has the Ghostbuster logo on the sides. Um, it has the roof rack on the top. And it has, I can turn on the flashing lights. I can, I have recently installed a siren in my car. So it actually can. The movie accurate siren. Do the movie accurate siren, like the whole thing. So, and it, it, it sticks out. The other night I was at a, uh, I was at a bar and, um, I had worn a Jurassic Park Hawaiian shirt that day. And I was at this bar and this lady looks at me and she's like, you know who you remind me of? Like, no, I, I don't know. She's like, you remind me of the guy who drives a Ghostbuster car around town. <laughs> <laughs> like, my reputation quite literally precedes me in conversation. So I have to, I really try to be careful. I feel bad. Um, last night, actually, I've, I teach during the, the week. So school just started. So I'm getting back to that schedule of being around kids all day and then I worked you know I worked all day Friday at the school and then I came over to the escape room and I worked two jobs in a row uh yesterday I got called in because one of my coworkers was ill so I worked at the escape room last night and I've just been exhausted so I was coming home from work last night actually and um you know monster day is coming up monster day is the 20th of us of August and it's always a big deal for my Ghostbusters group so I was you know I was driving home and I was really tired but I was also going through like what needs to be done like my mental checklist and all of a sudden I heard honking and I felt this weird like sensation like weird energy on my left side because I had completely missed that there was even a traffic light on an intersection I was passing through so I like Full on ran a red light and there was a car like it was almost done last night. But I, you know, while I was worried about my safety, my biggest thing was like, wow, they saw the Ghostbuster car just like blew through a red light at like 1230 at night. Like, what does that look like? So those are things I'm constantly thinking about is how am I appearing to these people? So if anyone happened to be cut off recently... by a car that ran a red light um it was totally my fault uh i was very tired and totally missed that the light had turned red so i apologize and i hope you're okay (laughs) what's the best part about daily driving an ecto the best part is honestly monday mornings i mean it could be any morning but i pick monday morning because you know you i'll pull up to a, a traffic light 
and you'll see like people with this look on their face like i don't want to go to work today they just have that monday morning ugh, on their face and on numerous occasions i've pulled up to a red light watch someone sleepily look over to see who just pulled up next to them they'll look back and then they'll double take and look back and see the ecto and immediately they go from like i'm not ready for my day to oh my gosh that's the ghostbuster car and they're like they they're happy like people are genuinely happy to see something different in their lives so it's i love that you know kids get excited adults get excited old people get excited like it's a recognizable thing and people love it it seems like every single time you drive it it would be fun um yeah yeah uh sometimes it's hard you know sometimes i don't want to be seen sometimes i don't want to you know i want to be off stage so in in that circumstance because there's there's a level of responsibility there and there are some people who can be can be toxic and let some of their toxicity show when they see something like that. Because they think you're not a serious person or... They think I'm not a serious person or, you know, it's just, you know, a lot of times you get those people that are posturing. You know, there's this thing that's interesting and neat and then they, you know, they're just people that like shooting things down in the world. Yeah. For whatever reason, whatever, you know, the stiffs, the the Walter Pecks of the world, <laughs> like, they just get off on bringing people down and that's that's hard sometimes but again it's it's more often than not people are excited to see the ecto if i had an ecto i was driving around i know that my wife would be embarrassed to ride in it i would love it my kids would love it i think my wife would do it a couple of times and then the novelty would wear off immediately for her and she'd be like no, I'm not going to the grocery store in the Ecto. No, we're not meeting our friends in the Ecto. So I was, um, I very briefly dated this woman. We went on like a couple dates. And she met me and didn't, before she knew what my, she saw me before she saw my car. And it sounds like she found me really attractive. And like, she was actually bugging my parents. Like, I want to ask him out, blah, 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 blah. Well, we went on a couple dates, and on one occasion we were sitting there chatting, and she looked at me, and she's like, I am never going to ride in your car. It almost came out of, like, nowhere. Like, your car is ridiculous. I couldn't do it. And it was just, like, one of those, like, okay. like, But I don't know. That's – I think about that sometimes. But at the same time, okay. Like, you don't have to. You don't have to ride in my car. It's always an interesting, especially if it's like a dating situation or I want to like build a relationship with someone who is worried about the car. I have, so I've had that one instance where someone said they didn't want to drive it. I don't think I've had much more. Recently, I've um, been exploring driving my coworkers places. I drove uh, one of my, two of my bosses fairly recently in two different situations and one of them told me he told a friend of his afterwards and his friend was jealous <laughs> another one we were driving and i had just put in the siren so she was like what does this do and i was telling her and she started like playing with the buttons and seemed genuinely delighted to make the sirens go off 
And then I had a coworker recently ask if I would drive her to lunch just because she wanted to drive in the, ride in the Ecto. Oh, of course. But I had to turn it down because I frequently have a lot of stuff in my car and it's just, that's like my space. So sometimes it gets, you know, a little cluttered and I'm embarrassed about driving people around when it is in poor, is in a state of disarray. <laughs> you um, keep Ecto up, man. I do, and I'm terrible about it, but that'll be my New Year's resolution is keeping my car clean. Um, but yeah, no, my, my, uh, so I have a sister who's, uh, 13 and she'll still ride with me places. So I think that's a good metric because, you know, a preteen isn't too ashamed of being seen in an ecto. So, yeah, that's true. So this is sort of your second iteration of an ecto, right? Cause yep. you had a, I think you said, told me it was a Volvo before yeah, that you a, had a, a Volvo before started to ecto, but then it broke down. It, got it the was, Subaru and it was firmly an ecto and then its engine exploded. And then we trans, it's all the same stuff. We just transferred it to the Subaru. Um, the Subaru has gone a lot further though. And that, you know, I've added the white vinyl to make it look the right color. And I've actually gone as far as to like drill holes in it to be able to mount things onto the car. So it's firmly in Ecto right now. One day when the Subaru isn't worth repairing anymore, do you have a plan for what your next Ecto is going to be? Not firmly. Um, it's more of an opportunity thing. What's out there? Uh, you know, these cars were both fairly cheap to get a hold of, and I imagine the next one will be cost-effective as well. Um, I'd like it to be, you know, at the very least, like a multi-purpose sports utility vehicle type thing. Um, a hybrid would be awesome, but I think that's it's a while before you can get those secondhand for a fairly cheap price. Electric would be even better, but that's even further out from the realm of possibility. I'd like it to have a a roof rack already installed because it or like the you know the the bars on the top just because it makes mounting it easier and preferably white like originally white because it's a little bit easier to start with a white car yeah i mean for a while i had the green subaru i remember seeing it green and you know nobody ever really from time to time someone would say it should be white but i'd look at it and say it should be white so a white car would be nice at the very least like a dirty gray or like a light gray or a silver would be appropriate too a dodge magnum would be a pretty cool ecto they don't have a lot of room in them weirdly yeah room would be nice too um just because you know there's a lot of stuff like would you do a suburban ecto maybe maybe a suburban i don't know I kind of, I don't mind the Outback because it's maneuverable and still fairly, you know, decent size to hold equipment, but a Suburban might be better. I just, the struggle with big cars is just the gas guzzling nature, so. Oh yeah, especially right now, it's uh, not cheap. That's what I struggle with. I, I saw a PT Cruiser the other day and I thought, you know, a PT Cruiser wouldn't make a bad Ecto. It wouldn't. That's, it's small though. It's 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 very small, but the shape-wise, for me, honestly, a lot of it is just the shape. Yeah, because it has to have, like, that classic ambulance yeah. hearse and wagon again, shape. I know a, a Subaru doesn't, but it's close enough. Yeah, there aren't a lot of wagons anymore. A station wagon would be a great Ecto. 
Yeah, you know. Or a Volvo 240 wagon. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, but again, it's it's what I can find, and I'll make do. And in the community, there's so many different ways people have done ectos. Like, it's really like I've even thought like one of those like vans, like the Geek Squad type vans painted white with a. Although then you're in like white van territory, and that's <laughs> that's weird. But we have plenty of room for gear. Or an an actual like a modern ambulance that'd be an interesting. That would be an interesting one. Those are not cheap though. Yeah no, no this is the we're talking realm of possibility. And if I have the money to buy an actual ambulance, like willy nilly, I might be in the. I might be approaching the realm of possibility of buying a firehouse, and that would be like, I have dreams of like owning a an old firehouse and like living in a firehouse it'd be the perfect living space even outside of the ghostbusters community going from cosplaying to just a hundred percent living life as a ghostbuster i mean my hobbies include a lot of like tinkering and like working in like garages and you know repairing things building things so just the idea of a bay like a fire engine bay you know with space to I mean, that's, like, the best garage space in the world is at a firehouse. Yeah, it's a pretty nice space. And you live above the firehouse and, like, good living quarters. Like, it is a great residential area. So that alone, like, again, aside from Ghostbusters, I would love to live in a firehouse because <laughs> it has everything I need. Does this pole still work? Right. There it is. Have you ever been to that firehouse? No, I haven't. I've I've never been to New York. I haven't either. So I'd like to I'd like to make a trip and go and actually tour do a Ghostbusters tour of New York. That would be cool. And do like yeah, see it all. Central Park, New York Public Library, Statue of Liberty, Statue of Liberty, NYU, the museum, the hotel the Sedgwick was supposed to be like all of it. That would be really cool. I've seen a lot of people visit that firehouse. Well, and the, it's, it looks like the fire department, you know, the firefighters that are at that precinct are really cool about it, too, and, like, lean into the Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, I would like to visit that place. What did you think of, uh, going back to Ecto's, in Answer the Call, I did like that they used a Cadillac Am, uh, hearse or am, no not even ambulance anymore that one was just would have been a hearse but a hearse is a great ecto a, a hearse would be a good a great ecto i didn't like the the two-tone you know because the they tried to make the roof sort of be the reds like the fins yeah were on that the was original. that was kind of weird to me but this car it wasn't bad I, I still there's something about the like just the way the shape of the the ambulance was it's just i don't know i i'm not a car guy but i do really appreciate how you know in the 50s they really you know the soft edges and the or how stylized the front end is exactly like that's something we're missing in modern cars like we could have electric cars why didn't elon musk just make his teslas all look like spaceships (laughs) but like stylized ones right so yeah, I didn't mind. I didn't mind it. I don't mind seeing them, but it's just there's there's just something so iconic about the original that it's hard to 
step away from. What's a better movie car, Ecto-1 or the DeLorean time machine? In various points, I've thought about adding nods to the DeLorean in my Ecto. Actually, I have components of a flux capacitor, like, printed out at my house right now. I just haven't had the time to sit down and, like, build it. I would totally put a flux capacitor in the Ecto somewhere, just as a nod. Because DeLorean is, I don't know, I, I, they compete. They compete very strongly. Like, I couldn't pick one. Okay, now I'm going to force you to pick one. I have both of them, like a legit Ecto and a legit Time Machine DeLorean. You can have one of them. Oh, does the DeLorean actually travel in time? No, unfortunately. Oh. I'm going to have to go with the Ecto. I love the DeLorean. It's just, you know, you don't have a lot of storage space either. No, you definitely don't. The Ecto, don't. You, could, you could put load that up with some stuff. You know, if I wanted to go camping, I'd rather have an Ecto because, you know, you lay out a sleeping bag on the gurney there and you've got a nice little place to rest. And I mean, the inside of the Ecto looks fairly comfortable. Oh, yeah. It looks like they're sitting on couches. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about afterlife. Okay. One of the things that drove me crazy about that movie is, what was its original release date? Summer 2020? Yeah, it was, I want to say June of 2020. And then it got pushed back like a month or so. And then it got pushed back again. Yeah. And when... It came out in November. November 21. Yep. So over a year we had to wait. <laughs> and yeah. a weird thing is the movie's done. And so you had some stuff and like toys came out because yep. they were already scheduled. The movie's not going to come out for yeah, they a had, few more months. They had a whole like marketing thing happen before the movie like was ready to come out. And that that was... That drive that drove me nuts because I wanted to I wanted to see the movie, but I actually appreciate the way they did it in the end because you know with movie theaters closing left and right, and, it would have been a bummer if they just said okay it's gonna go just to HBO Max. Yeah, it would have been a bummer to stream it. It would have been a bummer to like have the theater experience ruined by any number of things. So the fact that I got to go see it in a theater with theater popcorn next to me like wearing a flight suit yeah we uh um i was i partnered with the ghostbusters out of fort collins and we actually did the uh the premiere with our ectos and our flight suits and everything i saw that i saw pictures of it and i was super bummed out because i don't i don't have facebook anymore so i didn't see that but I would have loved to have gone to that. I went to the showing here in Greeley, and there was a gentleman in a flight suit. I was just stoked. Like, told my kids, hey, I swear to you, there's a guy who's going to walk in here in a second who's a Ghostbuster. (laughs) Yeah. See, and I'd like to, I'd like to do more around Greeley. It's just, and I'm, I don't know. It's been easy with the Fort Collins people because they already have a lot of contacts built up and. You know, it's we can make a really big event. We've done Eagles games. We've done um, the movie premiere. And I've cultivated a few things around here that nobody else does. But it's better when you have good support. Being the only Ghostbuster at, like, a 
film premiere would be awesome but weird. Yeah, it'd be definitely be better to have some camaraderie in that experience. Because, like, I did a, a couple months ago, they had Johnstown Days. And a guy that was involved in it reached out, and I tried so hard to get other Ghostbusters show up. But there, for whatever reason, it was like a Comic-Con was happening that weekend or something. I was the ol- only one that could go. So I went and I stood at this like fairground while they're having like concert things set up and I was the only Ghostbuster and I mean I made it work and kids were excited to come take pictures and all that it's just it's it's hard when you're the only person and then is the flight suit miserably hot I think I'm used to it now you know I've done some car shows and stuff where it's been like I think I did a car show when it was like 100 degrees this summer and what I will say is you know the layers also help trap in some of the cool, like, cool air and the sweat. So it does kind of cool you off. You know how, like, in desert, in deserts, they tend to wear more layers to, like, um, keep you cool? Mm-hmm. So it, there's an, an element of it where it does that. Um, but I found some strategies to make a flight suit a little more bearable. Are you a stickler for the correct boots? I wasn't. I, no. I'm not. I only got my uh, Corcoran's, the like, for Christmas this year. Um, I try to prefer at least some kind of black boot, preferably combat boot. But I've seen it has to at least be black. I don't care for tennis shoes though. It's got to be service boots or work boots. Yeah, something similar. It's kind of, but it's more. So my dad and I have done costuming my whole life. And we've come down to it's the shoes really do make a costume. I mean, I'm one of those, as a kid, even if I was putting a wearing a Halloween costume, if my shoes didn't match, it felt weird. You know, Han Solo with... Air Force Ones. Air Force Ones would be weird. You know, Batman wearing, you know, New Balance white tennis shoes would be weird. Yeah, it takes away from the rest of the costume. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're going to be dressed up as some Wild West character, but you're wearing an Apple Watch. I will say, though, when I switched to the Corcorans, they are much more comfortable than the last pair of boots I was wearing. Like, I don't know what it is about them. They just, they feel so much better. Are they, are the boots period specific? So, like, do they make that style boot today? No. No, they are... They are period specific. So if I want the correct... Well, so there's a company that does make... I think they make boots, but they're, you know, re-release type things. Um, But I think the ones... But they're, like, super expensive, too. So, like, the cheapest you'll get are, like, used period-specific boots. What does a pair of used period-specific boots cost? It depends. You can find them... Like the ones I have, there's actually a, there's a flaw, so they were actually like pretty cheap actually because they had like a mark on them or something that less than two hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, I want to say it was like one twenty maybe. They're not they're not terrible. How about pants or the suit tucked into the boots versus on top of the boots? It it depends. Um, I like tucked in partially because it's just you know in the military that's what I did. So I know the tricks and how to make it look good. 
but I know that like, and it depends on the, I think it says a lot about who you like as a character. Yeah. Cause Vankman wore his over the boots and like my dad, he'll wear his over the boots partially cause he has also has a prosthetic leg. So it's like easier for him to like deal with that. So just a personal preference. I don't, I don't mind either way. I don't have a flight suit, but it's something I've debated in my head. That's fun. I think everybody should have one. What do you like the Ghostbusters two dark suit? I go back and forth. Yes, I don't care for the patch. The number two patch. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't like that patch either. It just it drives me bonkers. It's a weird like if I had a if I had a DeLorean, I would go back in time and ask what the deal was with making that choice. Like, I thought it was supposed to be something along the lines of they had to rebrand themselves. I don't know. Because they were ordered not to perform ghost removal services anymore. But as far as the color itself, I don't mind the gray. And Sideshow released, I don't know if it was Sideshow, there was a company that made a Ghostbusters welcome kit, like a new employee kit. And it was like this box, and inside was a manual, and it has like a pen, and like... I vaguely remember seeing something like that. So if you ever can, if you can ever find one for cheap, get one. For no other reason than inside is a book. It's like a handbook for Ghostbusters. And it's actually like filled out and has like information about like how to wear the uniforms. And, you know, it's supposed to be in world like imagination, but it's it explains like the ghost classification like a like it would be an actual employee handbook. And that's the only way to get that book. I've never seen it separate from that box, but the book is awesome. And it actually talks about the charcoal gray uniform and the lore that it puts in there. The, the, the story that they create for that is that after the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man incident, they realized the khaki could make it really hard to find somebody. So the charcoal is actually there so that if they're in like snow or something and a Ghostbuster goes down, their uniform stands out against the white of the snow better than khaki. It's interesting. It's a leap, but at least it makes it like, it gives it a purpose. Yeah, but yeah, the logo changing in number two, that is lame. Do you like the slime thrower? I do. I'm, for the past like, two years i've been trying to build one i've thought about how i could build one cheaply but the problem i run into with that is it would be extraordinarily heavy if i build it cheaply so we're working off of the method i use is um concrete forms okay the problem with that is there's that wrapped like the lines from the you know, the twisted cardboard. It's really hard to get rid of those lines because it's a lot of filling and priming and sanding and all that. And then beyond that, well, it's not a big deal, though. The hardest part for me is the dome. The whole dome thing is a battle. Because I just thought about I would just use very sized metal tanks. That's a That would be very heavy. It would be insanely heavy. Yeah. What did they do in the movie? So not a lot is known. There's not a lot of like information out there that talks about what they were made of. I think one of the things that happened is in in movies in general, you make a movie, you make a prop, and you don't know it's going to be successful. 
a lot of movies will destroy props you know use them to make something different throw them away and i think that was kind of how the storm the slime blowers were handled and people have seen them you know jason reitman did a whole screening of ghostbusters afterlife recently at a sony Mm -hmm. and they had the they had a slime blower on display but it's really hard to get close to them and get like because more than anything, what I want to know is what they, how they mounted them to the Alice Pack frames. That's the bigger puzzle for me right now. Because I can get by on the um, form tubes. The domes, I've tried um, large-sized Christmas ornaments. Okay. But those get really brittle really fast. Um, I 3D printed domes that were actually meant to be slime blower domes. The problem with that is when on my printer I have to cut it and print it in segments and that gets really dicey when you have to like it's cut into quarters and reattaching those to make a solid dome keeping it straight making it strong yeah um yeah what did they make those out of in the movie because if you use you know i can get metal tanks that exact same size that for screen use but now my pack weighs 111 pounds i would imagine maybe they sculpted them and maybe cast them in like fiberglass or something that's the best i can come up with if you could uh i guess it'd be the opposite of vacuum forming if you were able to get a piece of plastic and then had some sort of a tool to inflate it and put it inside a mold no maybe like injection molding that's kind of how that works i think yeah i was thinking of just making a big plastic balloon but yeah, no, I like the I like the slime blowers, and they had lights on them. I'd also like to find a way to make them do something, like shoot like silly string or like soap soap foam would be cool. And there's a way I know there's a way to do it, but that's like in the well, realm. if you go my route with actual metal pressure yeah, vessels, you could. you could then you could have one filled with water and one filled with like dish soap, and in your gun it mixes them together, and boom, it sprays sprays foam everywhere that would be really cool although that adds to my weight of my already 100 pound backpack so now it's 150 pounds it's kind of cumbersome even something in the like gun portion of it there's a lot of space you can play around in there and you'd have to it wouldn't hold a huge quantity but it'd hold at least enough that you don't have to carry it on your back yeah because the gun itself is pretty large also yeah so that's just been it's in the progress and i've done one my i actually i started one and then it fell apart so i started making another one but my dad was looking at the first one he's like that one might be salvageable but he's making one out of foam right now but it's just one of those it's such a big project it's like one that we'll walk away for from for months and then go back at it and have foam no wouldn't be a bad idea i guess it's definitely a lot lighter than my idea yep it's hard just the lines they have on their tank is the the craziest part because it's hard to see if there's like a seam line or and every every method i've tried there's definitely lines that show through is there someone who's made a really good one i feel like i've seen one once well maybe two i knew someone in hawaii who had one that looked pretty decent and there are like there's a like builders group on facebook and things like that but you know, the game is always trying to find a better way to do it. 
Yeah, that's always the case. You get to look at what somebody else did and think, how can I do that a little bit better? Because I think it's always a, I did this, but it's a pain in the ass. And then it's like, how can we make it better? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when that'll ever be done, but someday. I'll look into that. I'll pull it off. I can't afford to build a proton pack, so maybe I'll figure out how to build a slime. Is a slime blower or thrower? Blower. Blower, okay. Yeah. Because it's particle thrower. Yep. And slime blower. Okay. What is your favorite independently produced Ghostbusters project? The It could be a book. It could be a YouTube oh. video. Oh, there's a, I have a couple answers. So there's a the Ghostbusters Italy. They made one. And it, they put it on YouTube during COVID. I don't know if it's still up or not. But that one was really well done. Ghostbusters Italy. Yeah. It's in English, I assume. It's in it's in Italian and I think I I think when I read it was when I watched it was I think it was subtitles. But it was really like very well done project. I'll have to check that out. I, my son and I watched a few of them. They, they I thought they were good. I don't remember seeing one from Italy though. I think my favorite one and it's not the longest and it's not the most high tech or crazy one, but it is I can't remember what his name is, but the movie is a kid's mom tucks him in and you see all this ghostbuster paraphernalia in his room and he's like a younger kid and he goes to sleep and then he's woken up by his dad and they you know they hang around at night and they're you know playing ghostbusters together and the dad has the nice flight suit and this whole thing and they get to the point where they're done playing and the kid has like a a nice looking ghost trap like movie quality one and the dad's like all right buddy it's time for me to go you gotta you know you know how to use it right and the kid steps on the trap and the dad's ghost gets pulled into the ghost trap and it's just one of those that like (laughs) it's so emotional and it's so like in the way they did it it's so much of that like you know, a lot of people have Ghostbusters memories with their parents, you know, especially when you're roughly our age, because that's how we interacted with it. So that one, just emotionally, it's like amazing. Um, I seem there's one I watched where it was like a Oscars grown up and is part of a Ghostbusters group in California, I think. Isn't there like a sad story to the Oscars in real life? Yes. Yes, there is, actually. Um, I can't remember what the actor's name is off the top of my head. He had a very German name, if I remember correctly. But I feel terrible because I'm friends with... It's Hank. Slips my mind right now. But they were twins. One of them, a few years back... So one of them um, had or was experiencing schizophrenia. So they, they were a schizophrenic. And he recently, you know, like five years or within the past five years uh committed died by suicide so yeah that's there's there's some tragedy there but you know you can and that's a, a to kind of segue to like a positive space from that uh, i'm friends with the other brother on facebook and i say friends in the strictly facebook friends thing because you can be right you know we never interact together personally but I see, like, that he's there and does a lot of, like, martial arts stuff, charity work. 
um, Robin Shelby, who was the girl who played Slimer in Ghostbusters 2. Okay. She is very active in the fan community, and she's been to Fort Collins, and anytime she goes to a con, she works with the Ghostbusters groups and stuff like that, and, like, will go to dinner with them and stuff like that. So I hear she's delightful. I never got to meet her personally, but, you know, the Fort Collins people have and said she's great. Uh, Mark Brian Wilson, who was the, who sculpted Slimer and played him in the first movie, he's another one you can be friends with on Facebook. And he actually, like... He'll like wish people happy birthday. He mean, he wished me happy birthday. That's pretty cool. One year, and it's just a cool thing. And he's not well known, but if you know who he is, it's it's really cool, and he's really awesome. And I've heard others like, you know, the lady who is one of the students doing the psychic with the cards in the first movie. I heard she's great. I've heard William Atherton, who played Walter Peck, is actually really friendly and really like kind to Ghostbusters fans. Um, Ernie Hudson, it sounds like he's great. So it sounds like there's a lot of people that you can actually, like, just talk to that were involved in the movies. I had um, some friends of mine uh, during COVID, they pulled together and did one of those cameo things with Ray Parker, Ray Parker Jr. Oh, yeah? And it was great. And there's a funny story to it, though, because, you know, when they delivered me this message from Ray Parker Jr. They were like, by the way, we wanted to do something really nice for you, but it went kind of bad, and we're really sorry. And I'm like, I had no idea. So they sent me the video, and the video is like Ray Parker Jr. He's like, hey, you know, this is from your friends. This message is for Shay. So he read chess as Shay and would refer to me as Shay multiple times through his little message. And he actually did a, he sang the Ghostbusters theme. <laughs> and instead of who you going to call, Ghostbusters said, who you going to call? Shay. <laughs> it's like the most, like, but at the, like, I wasn't mad. Right, of course. Like, it comes from a good place. And, you know, I can see it. I can see how where the mistake might come from but it, more than anything it just adds to the story of it like who else has ray parker jr singing their name or uh well not you well, <laughs> that's true that's true but it, it it just it adds to the story and it's still it was such a nice thing and yeah it's so cameo i find so weird it, like you could just pay a celebrity to say whatever you want them to say yep it's it's weird. It's a bizarre. But wouldn't that be a nice way to make money? Yes, it would be a great way. You if you'd like me a, to like, say something, I'll say it. Let me know. Yeah. Hit me up. Hit me up. I'll, you know. And I've seen some of the, like, like the, I've seen some of what they look like. And it, sometimes it looks just like a actor with, like, a cell phone, like, doing a selfie video. 100%. And it's just like. They took like five minutes they had free to just be like, hey, I'm just reaching out to blah, 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 blah. Like, and that's it. And like, I wonder how much they get back from that. Uh, I heard Michael Rappaport say it was enough money to put his kids through college. He was like, I looked down on it. it this would be paraphrasing. I heard him on Howard Stern a while back. And he was like, when I first heard about other celebrities doing that, it made me sick to my stomach. I was like, those disgusting sellouts. I can't believe it. 
And then I heard what kind of money they were making, and I was like, I'm going to get on Cameo right now. Yeah, like, because, <laughs> you know, you hear about, like, you know, you can see, like, the the earnings from, like, Spotify or something or streaming services and how much musicians will make when a song is paid on that, is played on that. I want to know, like, because you can get, there's, like, a spectrum of Cameo. Like, some of them are pretty cheap, depending on the level of stardom that the person has. But some of them can be kind of, like, pricey, like 300 bucks or... I remember somebody told me, like, Brett Favre was on there, and it's 500 bucks to get a cameo from Brett Favre. And I just thought, okay, that guy has a lot of money. Why does he need to be doing this? But I guess even if you have that much cash, the idea that, hey, I'll give you 500 bucks if you spend two minutes at your leisure recording a message. So that's my question is, how much does the actual celebrity get? I know Cameo gets the 500 and I imagine they pay. Oh, I bet they I bet Cameo probably takes less than 10%. So that's a that's a good gig for a, you know, if I were a celebrity, I'd stop if I was a, like a musician, I'd stop recording songs and <laughs> just do cameos. Cuz for the amount of time they put into like recording and like editing and making a, an album, it almost sounds like that time could make a lot more money on Cameo. I talk to everybody. Yeah, I guess once you're famous enough to a point, you could just give up on everything and do cameos. Yeah, someday. Someday, I'm working to get there. I've had a lot of people come up to me lately, and you know, the best part is when they'll know me as like they won't know who I am, but they'll know my car. My car is famous. Yeah, you're the Ghostbuster. And there's a guy like there's this myth of the Ghostbuster guy in Greeley. And there have been multiple occasions where I've talked about the Ghostbuster guy with someone, and they were completely oblivious of the fact that I was the one who drove the car. And there's just something awesome about that. And Gosh, I, I'm thinking right now, like, I'm going to get it a flight suit right away and start my Proton Pack build. Do it, man. You got to do it. Look, so I run the, I start, I found it, and I run the High Plains Ghostbusters. It's the Greeley Ghostbusters, and it's currently, our current members are myself, my dad, and my brother, who's in high school, so it's kind of... A family business. Yeah, it's like a family business right now, and it's, but it's really hard to get, like, when our schedules don't line up. And I would love to have new members of the High Plains Ghostbusters to kind of, you know, get it out of the family a little bit, and give us a little bit more meat because you have the Fort Collins people and we pair together on a lot of stuff, but it'd be nice to have like a solid team that's like can roll out. So yeah, get your, I think there's a good chance I'm going to be a high plains ghostbuster. You should. Do you have your own patch? I struggle with that. So first of all, it's really expensive to make patches. Yes. Patches are like those things that like they seem cheap on the outside, but you also always have to buy them in bulk. And it gets to like 500 bucks really fast because it's really hard to just find someone who'll make one patch or <laughs> make yeah. patches as you need. Them. Or you could you could get five you could get 50 for 500 or you could get one for 500. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I have a logo. I'd like it to be a patch, but I will never put it on my uniform. I sort of agree with that. I've seen people rock their organization's patch which is usually a version of the no ghost logo or some play on it but i think i would 
I would go for the original. Uh, that's that's how I feel. My dad and I we've actually talked about. We've been we've toyed with the idea of an armband, like on the other sleeve that we could put like our patch, or if we're doing like an e- a Colorado Eagles game, we could do like something that incorporates the Colorado Eagles, or you know something like that. So we're not taking away from the original logo and can still put ours. But if I don't know, it's low low level priority for me. But I'll put our logo on like business cards and maybe a t-shirt if I ever make t-shirts. If somebody wants to join the High Plains Ghostbusters, where do they find it? I mean, wherever I am, wherever the car is really. <laughs> you don't have a, do you have a Facebook page? for? Yeah, it? I have a Facebook, okay. you know, High Plains Ghostbusters on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I have a Wix site set up for it that I never look at because that's a whole other level and it's easier just to post pictures on Instagram and they'll automatically travel over to Facebook. Are there rivalries between ghostbusting groups? I hope not. I don't, I mean, it's like anything you do. Like I think of them as like coworkers and sometimes you'll butt heads with them or question what they're doing. And other times it's like, it's awesome that they're there. I, I don't have any rivalries towards Ghostbusters groups. I've seen some. There's some, like, nasty blood out there. I couldn't give you exact specifics, but I know I've seen one where, like, don't go to this guy because he's a pedophile and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It always goes to that. And in Colorado, even, there's been, like, you know, these people want to do this and we don't agree, and it, I don't I, – I try to avoid the drama. Like, my whole goal is to put on a Ghostbuster suit and – go to an event and it's fun to dress up it's fun to see people excited and that's you know i don't need to make money off of it i don't need to like feel like i mean i know what i did i know that i did all that to my car and that's fun like that's and that's what it should be and i think if people are getting to a point where they're getting bent out of shape about something it's not fun anymore is there anyone really trying to make money off this i mean it's not their intellectual property i imagine i don't know i it's weird. All right, Chess. Well, I'm going to let you get going because you got other stuff to yeah, do. Yeah, i got to set up this room really quick. But, um, yeah, if anyone wants to find you, is there somewhere they can go? High Plains Ghostbusters on Facebook? Yeah, look up the High Plains Ghostbusters on Facebook. Instagram, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, just follow us. And if you're in the northern Colorado area, look out for my car. All right, and we'll do this again when I can uh, show off my own Proton Pack build. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. Cool. All right, thanks, Chess. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, man. High Plains Ghostbusters. Check it out on Facebook and on Instagram. You can see how legit this guy really is. He's a real-life Ghostbuster and all-around cool dude. Thank you to Chess Bond for keeping the city safe from any free-floating, full-torso, vaporous apparitions. Thank you to Russell Colbert a.k.a. the Egon Spangler of our operation. I'm Darren Schaefer, and thank you for listening to The Book of Darren. Forget about it. This book is not for you.